didn't hide the fact internally that I, I did want to come back here and you know I've loved Wrigley Field I loved the fans me and my family enjoyed you know Chicago and when it was you know coming towards the end and everything was kind of coming to light a little bit and this was definitely something that definitely I wanted and um, both sides agreed on and super happy that it worked out the way it did we were so close last year really got banged up towards the end and you know fought till the very end we got so close and for me to come back here with the almost the same team to experience playoff in Chicago is something that I want to do and it's something that I want to experience and it's you know big part of the reason why I did want to come back here so you know like I said I'm, I'm glad it all worked out and that's that's what I'm gonna strive to do every day that audio courtesy of Marquee Sports Network that was the returning Cody Bellinger in Arizona reuniting with his teammates and the Chicago Cubs and new manager Craig Council as he signed a three-year 80 million dollar deal with opt-outs in the 2024 and 2025 season and we're here to break it down on the sports cubicle I'm your host Mike Mercado he's the marvelous one Dan Marver and we need to discuss the game of chicken played between not only the Chicago Cubs, but all the other owners and general managers, all the different teams, and Scott Boris with his clients and where they're going to sign, what kind of deals were going to be made, how that impacted the Chicago Cubs, what they're going to be able to do with their roster, and so much more. So why don't we actually take a quick listen, Marver, to some of the key participants in these negotiations. Why don't we start first with the head honcho of the Chicago Cubs, Jed Hoyer, on getting this deal done and what it means for the Chicago Cubs bringing back Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I mean, I think really with, with with Scott and with me, I think you can take the conversation back to July. You know, I think we started the conversation on this in July. Um, I think Scott will attest. Like my my comments to him about Cody have never wavered at all. I felt all along, you know, great fit for the team, um, great fit in the clubhouse. You know, love the person, the family, all those things. So that was that never wavered. I think that you know. We probably talked more often than Scott would have liked, you know, but I feel like we, um, you know, I think, I think with any negotiation, um, I think there's sometimes a mis, you know, misperception that we just fire offers back and forth to each other. I think there's a lot of talking about what each side wanted, and I think over the last kind of five to seven days before we got a deal done, I think we kind of um, targeted a deal that made sense for both sides, and um, at that point, we did start making offers and talking more often and get ser- getting serious. But we had a lot of talks, and like I said, our, our comments about Cody and our desire to bring him back never wavered. It was just a matter of you know, finding the right fit. And that audio courtesy of Marquee Sports Network. So, Marvel, the first thing I want to hit on after hearing Jed Hoyer speak is what this means for the Chicago Cubs, not only for the roster as it's constructed for opening day, but also later on in the season. Also in the future, I think this move for the Chicago Cubs really opened up a lot of different doors for not only Craig Council, not only Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins, but also Cody Bellinger, as well as Scott Boris. And we'll get to Scott Boris in just a second. When you're bringing back a quality player like Cody Bellinger, what you're doing is you're opening up the lineup. You're giving so much flexibility to Craig Council. You're allowing this team to grow and to give them a certain amount of leeway to start the season, to get things right, and to be able to utilize spring training in a way that they can develop Christopher Morale at third base. They can find a spot for Michael Bush. They aren't rushing Pete Crow Armstrong. Now your lineup is even more honest, putting Cody Bellinger in the middle of it. This also 
for the front office allows them to have financial flexibility if they want to go make a trade in the middle of a playoff push. With this move too, the Chicago Cubs have an abundance of talent in the minor league system. Now they can afford to take a risk and trade, package some of these young prospects and try to bring in somebody that's going to help you win right now. And still looking in the future as you're developing this talent, as you're evaluating talent, scouting it, using your pitching lab. Next season, you are back in the negotiation table with Cody Bellinger and you're able to make a decision on whether or not to bring it back based off his performance this past season. What you project him to be? Cody Bellinger and Scott Boras have the same thing. If he has an MVP-type season, he can go ahead and demand even more money than he did this past offseason. And if you're the Cubs and there's a free agent out there, if there's a move to be made out there in the offseason heading into 2025, they can now make that move. And in a position where the Cubs are already the divisional favorite, this solidifying it, I think they put themselves in a great position to start the 2024 Major League Baseball season. Marvelous, your thoughts on Cody Bellinger returning to the Chicago Cubs and how it impacts the Cubs on and off the field. Well, it gives a whole new positive feeling, and it keeps Crow Armstrong in the minors probably for development. So it's a plus and a plus. And you know, it, it, it opens up the possibility of Bush you know, can still be at first base, I guess. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of pluses in this uh, in this move. I was feverishly hoping it would happen because I thought that without Bellinger, this team would not have a chance to compete. And with him, they absolutely do, in my view. You know, and this, there's still questions abounding, such as third base. And maybe they'll put Bush there. But, it's you know, in the pitching staff, it's there's still some question marks there. But they're as good as... You know, for sure, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and St. Louis. And, you know, just a question, you know, so, since council knows all Milwaukee secrets, maybe that will help too. <laughs> but uh, I think in that division, it's highly winnable. And with the way that the the season is structured and the playoffs, I think they have an excellent shot to make the playoffs this year. And don't get me started on full in, in league play because I think it's a joke. I, my only worry is is someone in the pitching staff, although they did sign a closer. So they have a closer. They won't have, you know, so, and, and their rotation is still in a little bit of flux. I mean, they obviously have some pieces that, that look like they're going to be pretty regular uh, in terms of up the middle. I mean, it's pretty solid now with, with the catching short and second and center field, uh, the corners, you I mean, Suzuki and Hap. I mean, everything's good. Uh, and uh, third base, like I said, the question mark, and maybe Morell will end up there although he's a better DH. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that they've got all the pieces in place as long as nobody gets hurt. And uh, as long as uh, they're able to, to get what they can get, you know, out of steel. And, uh, and the uh, you know, and now that the that Suzuki is somebody he can communicate with in his own language, uh, it should work out pretty good. And then, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I think it'll be interesting. We'll get to see the World Series rings handed out to the Rangers to start the season. So maybe that will be like some kind of vibrant center for them to uh, to do do really well. I mean, then it's an interesting schedule, though. They'll come on with the Rockies and the Dodgers and then go on the West Coast right away. So it's kind of a crazy schedule. And like I say, you know, because of the way it is, you make, they make three, four different trips to the West Coast, which is crazy. So I mean, the first one's right away. They go to San Diego on April 8th, so. Should be interesting. So that was the Cubs side of this entire situation. But what I want to hit on really fast before we get out of here is the Scott Boris effect. So why don't we actually listen to the super agent right now? Here's Scott Boris at the Cody Bellinger press conference this past week over in Mesa, Arizona with the Chicago Cubs. Scott would, would 
would the, would would you say that maybe a longer term contract was was the initial goal, and you, you you settled on something a little shorter? How would you characterize that all? Well, when you when you represent a player of Cody's caliber, and you're talking about an MVP talent um, who's had irregularity outside of consequences that are unrelated to him, like um, a 250-pound pitcher stepping on his ankle or a, uh, a teammate rather aggressively in celebration <laughs> causing a, a, an eventual surgery. Those are things that are not related to, to Cody or his durability or what he does. And, and free agency is like a, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like a turkey and a, and a thermometer. You kind of have to go in, see what the temperature is, evaluate it. And Cody and I agreed that, that we're going to look at this in a couple ways. We're going to have two positive outcomes for this process. And the one positive outcome we knew that, and, and Jed was very clear that they wanted to uh, contract with Cody and, and, and have him on the team. And our dynamic was to determine whether there was uh, what, what it was on the other end with, with a contract of great length. And as we got through that process and looked to it, is that that's certainly where we let Jed know that on something like this, with this kind of structure, with this kind of flexibility, with these kinds of things, it's what we're looking for. And, uh, and we had mutual agreement and understanding that this, this type of structure was agreeable to both of us. So, um, you know, teams, each team functions in their own way, as they always do. And you have owners who want to be directly involved with a roster negotiations and things along that. And then you have uh, other owners who the Cubs operate and Tom operates in a different way. And it's certainly, I'm amenable to anything. I've, I've never called Tom about Cody Bellinger. I always called Jed because Jed and I frankly talk about a lot of things in baseball all the time. And so we have a, a great communication system with the Cubs and, uh, and certainly you know, Tom and I talk about baseball. We run into one another, but it's it's something that's a very mutual and amicable uh, relationship, top to bottom here. And that audio, courtesy of Marquee Sports Network. I'll say this much. I saw a lot of discourse about and a lot of sentiments saying the Chicago Cubs beat Cody Bellinger in negotiations. The Cubs won up Cody Bellinger in negotiations. I actually think this is a rare case in which the team and the player both won. The team got a wonderful player at a great price and are in a position to win a lot of games and have flexibility for their roster for this year and the future. I think for Cody Bellinger, he goes to a situation where he's comfortable where there's not a lot of pressure, where he's making a lot of money, where he does have some guarantees, and that he can still earn a heck of a lot of money if he plays to the ability he believes he could play at. The loser in this entire situation, if you would call a loser whose client made $80 million, is Scott Boris. Because Scott Boris played a game of chicken with not only the Chicago Cubs, but all of Major League Baseball. And his clients are the ones who are paying for it, with guaranteed years on potential deals, guaranteed money on potential deals. Now, he still made a lot of money. Cody Bellinger has made a lot of money. Matt Chapman's going to make a lot of money. Blake Snow's going to make a lot of money. Jordan Montgomery's going to make a lot of money. But this was a rare offseason in which it feels like Major League Baseball owners and their front office 
beat Scott Boris. And Scott Boris has to hold this L. Again, it's an $80 million L, but has to hold this L and look at his clients these next few years or might not carry the same amount of weight as it did years prior that he can guarantee these players get X amount of money at X amount of years. I think Scott Boris was the loser in this situation. What do you think, Barber? <laughs> I, I see your perspective. I mean, uh, Scott, I mean, Scott Boris probably thinks he won. Don't they always? <laughs> I see your point. Your point is valid. I, I hadn't looked at it that way, but you know, for for the one few times, I think I'm going to turn my turn my thoughts and agree with you. <laughs> but with that, we want to know your thoughts. Let us know. We're all over the universe. We're on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube at the Sports Cubicle and search us wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Spotify, Apple, at Sports from the Couch. And of course, our SoundCloud over at WCPT 820. Just search for the Sports Cubicle. We got more coming up next here on the Sports Cubicle. He's Dan Marver. I'm Mike Mercado.